Recorded live. Although we only have a few people on right now, we're going to move ahead with this. The main thing is that it's going to be on here so you can look back at it. We're just keeping this thing light. It's nothing real formal. Yeah, Cody, you threw us all off, man. For real. Okay. You can do Bluetooth too. I'm gonna type the um the conference call phone number and the call ID in the comments, but it's seven two four 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 four. Seven four four four, and um, the call ID I'll put in there as well. The call ID is going to be one four two zero six nine. And the thing about it is, if you join the call. Any questions or whatever that you ask is going to be recorded. So you're able to reflect back on it, listen to it later. Although some things I'll actually be answering here, you can't hear us conversing on Facebook, on Facebook Live, of course. But on the conference call, you can. One four two zero six nine. Okay. Yeah, Bassett can actually optimize muscle growth, contrary to popular belief, because of the production of HGH. So, in athletes, people feel like, you know, you got to be eating all this stuff. It's not necessarily the case. Uh, but it can increase muscle mass and decrease excess fat for those of you that are doing it for that <clears throat> for that reason. Um, and if you're insulin sensitive, I mentioned that's very important. It it um when you become insulin resistant, if you fast. Uh, it's effective. It's an effective way to balance out insulin in the body. Uh, and there's also leptin and ghrelin, which basically are hormones that tell us when we're hungry and when to stop eating. A lot of times when you eat high-carb diet and you eat foods that in, inhibit uh, the production of leptin, which actually is what tells you you're full. Um, that's what that's where the problem comes in. Uh, ghrelin actually is the hunger hormone. Some of the foods that we eat, especially high carb foods, it seems that you can never be satiated. You're not really satisfied after you eat. That's part of the reason why. Um, so when you fast, 
the ghrelin levels actually begin to normalize. And so you can accurately judge whether you're really, whether your body's really telling you that it's hungry or not. Uh, the other thing that we look at with cholesterol in the diet is triglycerides. What's up, Wendy? Wendy, what's up, cuz? <laughs> Wendy Colson is on the call. It's good. To, it's good to see you on, man. We're actually recording this um, on TalkShoe as well. But I'm glad for anybody that's on right now. We're gonna go as long as we can go. If I get some calls, we'll actually um, extend it out. But we're gonna do at least another, at least 10:30, if not longer. And then we'll see what questions we get down here. We'll go go longer. But uh, back to triglycerides. You know they're they're uh, in the body as a result of consuming too much cholesterol. So it's a chance that those triglyceride levels can shoot up, which is not healthy. Those are not that's not healthy cholesterol. Um, but fasting actually does help reduce those levels of bad cholesterol in the diet in the body. Um, The other thing we're looking at is fasting can actually slow down the aging process. It's been shown that that's the case as well. So fasting can cause the body to produce more human growth hormone, or HGH, and this hormone actually affects the aging process. So when the body produces less HGH, we tend to age faster, which aging, uh, I believe the... The uh, abbreviation for it is advanced glycation end. So, you know, the more we eat, especially high-carb, high-sugar diets, the faster we increase, you know, the the rate of our, that to say, demise on the planet. And the thing is about fasting, too, is there's different types of fasting. The main thing we think about when we think about fasting is food. But fasting can be done in response to various things. The fact that we are in a society consumed by, you know, it's the digital age. So there's always an opportunity to be on your phone, to be on your computer, to be on, you know, to look at TV. Sometimes because of the effects of just the radioactivity, if you want to call it that, um, between, you know, with digital devices around you constantly, it may be a good idea that there, there are days where you just don't get on the computer. There's days where you just take a break from it, go outside. Uh, that's a form of fasting. It's interesting when you look at fasting as far as what it's about, it it is inv- it involves abstinence from something, and essentially, when you look at fasting, it means to one definition, dictionary.com definition is to abstain entirely from or limit food, um, medical dictionary from the free online dictionary defines fasting as 
not eating food for very extensive time. And then we want to look at a broader definition of it. Because typically when you think of fasting in a traditional form, you think about people talking about prayer and fasting. And that is something that is noticed as a benefit of fasting is more acuteness, more awareness. So a lot of times people getting ready for a particular perhaps traumatic event may not eat the previous night or the previous uh, or the or few days prior to having to undertake those things. We're going to check out something else, too, that's interesting about, you know, our problems medically. One of the things that I mentioned earlier was the reason why we're in the situation that we are health-wise, and that's because we are in, if you're in any modern European um, nation, or modern nation in general, you know, the the normal lifestyle is revolves around food. And particularly when you have industry that promotes, you know, food constantly. Like if you're looking at TV right now, you probably will be bombarded with five or six commercials related to a buffet, a steakhouse, McDonald's, something like that. So in a, in a nation that's driven by the need to make money based on how often we eat, it's no wonder that subconsciously food is always on your mind. And we're told things like you eat three times a day. We're told things like you should graze all day, little small meals throughout the day. The problem with a lot of that is if you're going to do those type of things, it requires preparation, but most of us don't. So if we're grazing throughout the day, it's probably grazing on something that's not good for us. The other element that you have to add into the mix is the fact that most of us uh, don't do a lot of manual labor. So the fact that we don't do a lot of manual labor, um, it, it, it uh, lessens the amount of activity and movement we have. So you take a thing like sugar, which the body uses to transfer or turn into to use for energy. I'm not going to talk about the, the actual biological process of how it does that, but the point is sugars are used for energy, particularly in fight-or-flight situations. Adrenaline um, is used as well as, you know, if you have carbs, which carbs turn to sugars, you know, the body stores those for energy in case of emergency or if you're going to be doing something strange. But if not, Essentially, when you're eating a high-carb diet, eating a lot of bread, eating a lot of sugars, the body is asking you, okay, now how are we going to use this? So typically, most of us eat a lot of sugars just at random times. If we're going out to lunch, we got to have you know, some bread. If we're, going, um, if we're eating at home, we're going to have some type of carbs with our food. The other things that we, that we tend to do is uh, we'll have dessert. So one of the things about sugars in general that you want to keep in mind is that, number one, you probably should be only eating sugars, you know, maybe once a week at that. 
or very rarely. The other thing is when you do consume sugars, you want to eat them by themselves. You don't want to consume sugars or carbs in combination with any type of protein or other complex sugars. Uh, but you want to eat them by themselves, get them in the system and out. And also you want to cut back on the amount of sugar that you eat. So if you're eating a dessert, you want to eat a very small piece of dessert at the moment. You enjoy it. Take your time, sit down, eat it, and enjoy it, and get it, get it out of your system. I'm not an advocate for that, but right now we're talking about just things in general because a lot of us on our journey to try and get healthier are just trying to get through the day. We haven't totally changed our diets yet. We haven't totally got to that point where we're ready to make a full transition. So these are just things you can do in the meantime to help you get to the place that you want to be. Um, We bounced off of the fact that we are in a society driven by the food industry. The food industry plays a huge role um, in our decisions to eat and what we eat. So like I said, most of our ideas about what a normal diet is is based around things we've heard that have been sponsored by food companies uh, or corporations. You have General Mill, you have several different major food corporations that actually own um, the raw materials, you know, flour companies, sugar companies. They also own some of the restaurant chains. So advertising is done to drive business. And that's what happens. You know, your 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 ideas and thoughts about everything related to food, and in general, if you're in a modern society, is based around industry and how the industry promotes their products to you. Uh, one example I think most people are aware of now is the food pyramid, as well as um, you know, things like the dairy industry, which sponsors the food pyramid, or sponsored the food pyramid. And the way it's laid out, literally the food pyramid should be turned upside down. It's not the way that it's laid out. But because a lot of your commodities at the time it was made with things like wheat um, and corn and things like this uh, that were being promoted, that's why those things are pushed to you. So you grew up thinking that these are the main foods I should eat when, in fact, the diet should consist of more nuts, grains, and seeds, uh, as well as vegetables and fruits, particularly seeded fruits, as opposed to, you know, a huge amount of dairy products, fish, meat, things like that. That's the way the diet should should be. But things like wheat and corn, you know, those are not things that we should be consuming and especially not consuming much of them. The biggest problem with corn and things like that is modern agriculture has totally changed the nutritional value of things like that. Corn being a starch, particularly corn that we eat nowadays, it's not um, it's not going to be something that the body can easily process or break down. One thing you have to remember about starches is they break down in the mouth. They don't break down in the digestive tract. But if you're eating starches, again, that's one of those things that you have to eat small amounts of 
but you want to be in a situation to where you're going to be using it immediately. You're going to be using it for energy. When that conversion happens, to convert it from a starch to uh, a sugar, a breakdown into a sugar, you're going to want to be in a position to where you're going to be using it. You're going to be burning, burning it up immediately. Um, so, again, we want to look at the fact that many of us eat these things over the course of time. We have to look at how we can change these up. Some suggestions for fasting is this. I don't necessarily suggest a dry fast, but to clear our systems of things like this, starches and sugars, to get ourselves back to norm, to a normal state of being, to a balanced state of being, you may start with a juice fast. And essentially with um, the juice fast, you actually start with juice, you go to solid, go back to juice, and then once you're done with the fast, you can start back eating solid foods. And I suggest you're going to do a juice fast, maybe do it over a course of three or four days. But you start out like the first part of the day with water. Water is essential because um, it helps to electrify the body. The pH of water can be anywhere from 7, which is neutral, to 9.6, which is electrical or alkaline, which gives your body energy. Contrary to what we believe, you don't have to have grits, eggs, and bacon for breakfast, although, I mean, that's a staple. And that's something I grew up with and I still enjoy. But, again, we're giving the body a break. So in the morning, you can start out with a glass of water. Typically, what I suggest, if you don't want to go out and buy anything much, water with lemon in the morning, and you can even add a little bit of baking soda to it. But a glass upon rising and probably another three, two to three glasses throughout the morning. And um, from there, you can move into coconut water. Coconut water gives the body energy, electrolytes, so that you have energy for the day as well. And then from the coconut water, you can move into your juice. Green juices, you want to try and do alkaline green juices. Um, there's actually a food list that is quickly accessible called Dr. Say, Advocates for Dr. Savy, I believe is what it's called, but it's a list of alkaline foods. So you want to try and use alkaline greens if possible. If not, do the best you can. But green juice uh, primarily consisting of leafy greens, not too many fruits, primarily leafy greens, kale, spinach, um, those type things in the juice. But you'd probably do like a 24-ounce or larger um, portion of the juice, and you can do that throughout the day. So I'll probably suggest doing it around 10. Uh, the other thing, before I forget, when you first rise in the morning after you've done your water, teaspoon of coconut oil. Coconut oil is not that expensive, but it can help to balance out blood sugar levels. Um, also good for the immune system, but I do that first thing. Um, but you do your juices maybe until around maybe five thirty, six o'clock in the evening. Whenever you get done, you're home for the evening, then you can bring in your vegetables. You can steam some vegetables for dinner. 
some Himalayan crystal salt if you want to use salt. I'm not an advocate for vinegar because the verdict's out. Some people say vinegar is good. Some people say it's not. If you want to use that to season the food, you can do that. Um, and then at that point, you're just going to do, you know, uh, water, and then you're just going to stop eating for the rest of the evening. Um, one of the things that is iffy sometimes that people talk about when fasting is wine, Wine in the evening actually can be good. There are a lot of health benefits to that. Um, Cody asks, is there a difference between what you are saying and the paleo diet? Yes, there is a difference. The paleo diet is based upon the premise that men and women were hunter-gatherers, so there's a lot of meat involved in the paleo diet. So what we're talking about with Juice fasting, no meat. Um, that's another big problem for Americans and for highly civilized societies is that here in America, the meat industry drives our decisions as far as what we eat meat-wise. Um, when you look at our portions of meat that we consume as opposed to, say, a place, your places in Asia, like, we may eat an 8- to 12-hour steak. And one of those societies, they'll take that steak, they'll cut it up, saute it, and a family of maybe five or six people will, will consume it, along with, and keep this in mind, herbs and other things that help to negate the effects that the meat has on the body. So they understand that culturally, so it doesn't do them quite as bad as it would do some people. I thought you said fish earlier. No, I said I have some fish this evening. I'm not fasting right now. So this is about fasting, but I'm not fasting at the moment. So, yeah, fish um, Fish is just one of those things that's not necessarily the greatest thing to eat. A lot of meat in general is not great, but if you're going to do fish, you want to do fish with scales, um, you don't really want to do bottom feeders too much. And it's just for the sake of keeping the body somewhat balanced. Although when we consider what's beneficial to the body, unless you're eating fish raw, cooking fish totally is going to knock it down on a pH level to an acidic level. So if you're going to be eating acids, you definitely want to be eating vegetables along with it to help to negate the effects of it. So fish is fine, but... Again, occasionally, you don't want to do it a whole lot. Uh, but that's nothing to do with this. And I jumped off of the, the procedure. Um, while you're fasting, we'll break it down really quick. Six to eight glasses of water per day, if not more. You want to start the morning with water, coconut oil, and your juice. And then from there, you'll move into solid food in the evening, which can consist of some fruit or can consist of some steamed vegetables. Uh, and then from there, you know, you, you have your water to flush your system. And I actually take something called black seed oil daily. 
but the black seed oil is good because it's an adaptogen. It's good for helping to balance blood sugar levels in the body for several different things. Uh, it's a detoxifier. And the thing is, when you're starting to sleep at night, you're actually about to go into an even deeper fast to repair from the day before. So things like that can actually assist in helping the body to go ahead and uh, and detoxify over the course of time while you while you're sleeping. So uh, no eating late at night. Again, you want to cut off eating around 8:30 if possible, because that is one of the optimal times for the body to digest food that is that you're taking in during the day. Uh, so 8.30, you probably want to be wrapping it up um, as far as anything you're eating. But that protocol, which is a suggestion, um, you want to do that over the course of maybe three days. And, like, maybe the last day, you can actually do the water in the morning and you can actually have the fruits during the day. Fruits during the day, and then you'll close out the evening with maybe something like the last day you can actually eat eat more solid food. But, again, not too much meat. Uh, we want to try and find our way, find better ways of, of getting nourishment and enjoyment from food than meat. It's just, it is what it is. We overdo it in America, and it's the cause or at the root of a lot of health problems, not limited to, you know, heart disease, and any number of other things, the fact that we can't absorb nutrients because there's so much meat we're eating, it stays in the in the uh, intestine, the large intestine. And we consider the length of the intestines for humans is the same as it is for animals that eat nothing but vegetation. So it's obvious the way we were built, the intestines were constructed to absorb nutrients. So the nutrients that it's absorbing is from vegetables. So a largely vegetable-based diet is what we should be eating anyway. If you're eating meat, it should be very little. And, again, fasting will help to clear that out, you know, periodically. Now, I try to fast as far as in general. I try to fast a few days a week. And I fast kind of similar to the way people do if you're doing the prayer and fasting thing where I just, I'll fast for maybe 24 hours or I'll fast on a schedule from sunrise to sunset. And that's good for me. I noticed that it really makes a difference in how I feel. And I'll do that a few times a week. And especially if I have like, maybe I had a heavy, a heavier meal, I'll try and do the fasting. But um, fasting is super healthy. Very important. The other thing fasting is good for is helping the body to reset as far as the immune system is concerned. If you're dealing with uh, any type of sickness, fasting is very good. And in those cases, you want to primarily fast with just water. Uh, water and, in some instances, bark teas are good because you're basically cleansing the body. You're detoxifying the liver. You're cleansing the blood. In some instances, you may add a little olive leaf extract, which also helps to toxify the liver. But if you're going to do that, you want to make sure you're drinking a lot of water behind that because as you detoxify, you have to keep in mind where do the toxins go? They're being released into the body. So if you're not sweating them out 
or getting them out to the urinary tract, you know, where are they going? So if you're going to detox, lots of water um, in that protocol. We did not have too many people chime in to to talk to you, and at least nobody raised their hands to ask any questions. So we're going to wrap this up. We went about 10 minutes over the length of time that we had planned on going tonight. But in two weeks, we'll be back. If I decide to do another call sooner than that, I'll let you know. But it'll be on a Tuesday again. I generally try to have these around 9, 30, 10 o'clock when the kids are in bed so you can relax and listen to it. A lot of times you're gathering your thoughts. At the end of the day, you can think about things you want to ask. So I'll post the next call as early as possible so you'll be thinking about those things. And based on the responses I get, we'll decide what the topic will be. But um, we're looking at the next time should be October the 4th for the next call. And... um, Yeah, we'll look at that. To, to wrap things up, you can do dry fasting. I would suggest juice fasting first because dry fast can be kind of dramatic for people if you've never done it before. The juice fasting can prepare you just to get you into the habit of fasting. Again, you're taking in water and juices throughout the day, some solid, light, uh, steamed, or broiled vegetables at the end of the day. And then you're closing out the day with water. And you do that over the course of maybe three days to begin with. You can extend it out longer. Uh, at the end of it, maybe the last day of the fast, you can do solids all day. But, again, no no meats, only seeded vegetables or seeded fruits and vegetables. Um, and then the dry fast, I would recommend if you're going to do a dry fast, still do water although it wouldn't be technically a dry fast, but still do water. And I would suggest doing that for seven days at the longest. But you can do a dry fast for either 24 hours. You can also do it for eight hours. But in the process, you want to be, again, detoxifying. So I suggest water, lemon and water, lime and water, well, lemon and water throughout the day because you want to be flushing the system as you're doing the, the, the fast. Um, dry fasting is definitely for not for the faint of heart, but you can do it. It's no problem. You just got to do it. Commit yourself to doing it. One of the things you'll notice about dry fasting is there is a tendency for some people to be cranky a few days in because you're having sugar withdrawal. Sugar withdrawals is no different than any other narcotic or drug that you're on, if if you're having withdrawal symptoms or trying to get off of it, it happens. Um, But you notice that if you can make it past five or six days, generally that that fades off and you're okay. And if you have a good plan of action in place, you can keep that going to where you don't get back to eating a lot of the bad stuff, which we're going to talk about that as well that you shouldn't be eating to begin with. So basically, your health is your wealth. 
It's the one thing that we can't control. We can't control a lot of things around us, but we can't control what we eat, what we see, what we think, and that's what we want to capitalize on, making our lives as healthy and as wealthy as possible as it relates to your health. Peace and blessings, and I'll see you guys in two weeks. Oh, the train is going to eat for me.